Guess what I saw on Facebook this morning, Rod? I couldn't possibly imagine because you see a lot of things on Facebook in the morning and you take great joy in telling (laughs) me what you saw. So what did you see this time? Well, I saw a new food trend that people are really getting into. Uh, And that is? And get this, it's smearing butter on saltine crackers. You're kidding me, right? <laughs> no. Haven't we been doing that since childhood? I know I have. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And I know you like peanut butter on saltines. Yep, nothing better. True. everyone and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Rope podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen and we are available virtually anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please remember to share the Thought Rope podcast with your friends. That's right. Right? Yep. Angie, what are we going to discuss today? Well, today we're going to be speaking with Nalini Malavia, an art consultant, curator, and a writer. Nalini is from Bangalore, India. Yeah. And as we've learned, she's very knowledgeable about the art world. You know, I especially liked when we talked to Nalini and when we did our initial chat with her, she is such a genuine person and she shares her feelings and her journey. And I know you guys are really going to love hearing her story. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great one. Yeah. But how about let's start with your quote. Oh, OK. Um, so our quote for this week is the hunger for love is much more difficult to remove than the hunger for bread. And that is by Mother Teresa. She's a saint. Yes, she was declared a saint. And her name is Saint Teresa of Calcutta. You know, she would probably understand that more than anyone because she was so tenderhearted and helped literally thousands of people. Oh, she yeah. deserved to become a saint. She really did with the compassion and the care that she gave to people that were really down and out. Oh, very down very and out. Poor, and, and, very poor. And sick, ill, mm-hmm. you know, right? Very she, Ill. I mean, I think she was also um, a nurse or at least the... Well, she would nurse people. I, I, I can't remember if she was actually a nurse, but... Well, she certainly would help bring them back to health or Absolutely. at least give them comfort. And give them love. Love, especially love. You could see when you saw images of her holding children. Yeah, her unconditional love, I think, healed so many people in uh, Bangladesh or Calcutta. Calcutta. Yeah, Calcutta. Okay, so now it's your turn, Rod. We are ready ready for Rod's motivational moments. Well, uh, I want to mention what I posted today. Mm -hmm. Kindness never goes out of style. And I'm sure... Hundreds, millions of people probably said that before me, but it's a reminder, you know, kindness never really does go out of style. And it's a reminder that we should all try to live up to. Right. And you can be kind in very small ways, too, every day. Right, Rod? Well, uh, yeah, holding the door open for somebody. (laughs) Just just something simple as that. In fact, I, I kind of mentioned to you before that it seems like there's men holding the door open for me. I don't know if I'm starting to look my age or something. <laughs> no. 
I think people are really trying to be more kind, especially because they haven't been out in society as much and they yeah. probably miss it. But kindness, the other thing we talked about is kindness to animals. Kindness to But I wanted to make a comment. When you hold the door open for people, it makes me laugh sometimes because then you'll see people run for the door. <laughs> so you're, you're actually the doorman for a while because there are at least like six or seven people that'll make a run for it. True, but they all nod or they all they say really thank you. It's really cute. It's really fun. Yeah. But yeah, you were saying about animals. Well, sometimes people seem to be more kind to, you know, an animal astray or yeah. an animal that they see more so than they are maybe helping somebody across the street that really needs help or well, somebody that's because I've witnessed this myself, right? somebody that has been trying to find a place to go in a, in a hospital mm-hmm. and they don't know where it is and you do. And you Take the time to walk them all the way over there, mm-hmm. uh, which I actually did not too terribly long ago. And they're so thankful. And I was so happy to help them right. because, you know, they were nervous. They didn't really want to be there. Nobody really wants to be in a hospital and they needed help. Right. Well, and do you think maybe sometimes people want to be kind and maybe they just feel uncomfortable because they don't want to make someone feel, you know, awkward or uncomfortable some way by, you know, opening the door from them. Maybe they won't want that. Well, some people get a little timid by it. They're shy or they're afraid that that somebody might take it wrong. Right. Right. So maybe just try not to feel that way and and be kind in a a very small way. If, if, you know, if you feel comfortable and if it's safe, of course. Like I said, or like whoever said this, but I said it, uh, kindness never goes out of style. And it's something we should all try to live up to. So true. So true. Well, seeing how we're going to be talking with someone from India today, she has gained international notoriety. And it's important to think about how small the world has become. I mean, she's from India when we're talking to her. Yeah, we've really noticed this. I mean, that's what we do on this podcast. We talk to people from all over the world. We celebrate their creativity, but it's been really exciting for us. And and a lot of our listeners tell us how much they enjoy hearing about different people's lives, where they live, where they create, what they eat. Uh, Well, everyone wants to know that (laughs) because like food is the international language. Like you can always sit down to a meal with someone that you can't even speak with and you have commonality there in a conversation. So it's kind of a cool thing. It really is. And the one thing I've always appreciated is how real our guests have been. I mean, they they really share a lot. And the fact that they live in different parts of the world, they have different perspectives You know, we live in the United States, so we have our own perspective on things. But when we talk to someone from Ireland, or in this case, from India, you really Mm -hmm. get a different perspective on what's going on in people's lives and and how they were raised. I'm always fascinated Mm -hmm. when people share with us their relationship with a lot lately. People have been talking about their grandparents, which is totally cool. I can relate to that. That's so wonderful. To me... Everything that we've learned from people that we've talked to has been a blessing for us. So true. And you know what? When when it gets down to it, what connects us all is our love for our family, our love for our lives, and learning how to, to navigate our lives. And yeah. each, each person's journey is very different and very individual, but we all have things to overcome. Just because yours isn't the same, it doesn't make it any more or less hard or trying. It just means that it's different. Yeah, well, you know, everybody's just trying to get along. 
That's it. Just trying to make We're it. just all trying to make our lives good and productive and happy. And be good to our children. Yeah. Help them grow yeah. and our families. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm really excited to move on to our interview with Nalini. So let's listen to what she has to say. Yes. Nalini, good evening and welcome to the Thought Row podcast. You know, we're really excited to have you as a guest. Hi, Nalini. I know this is going to be a very informative conversation about creativity and Hi, art. Thank you so much for having me. It's really good to be here and I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Well, you know, I was fortunate enough, uh, Nalini, to run into your website and I have to say, you've got quite a bit of content yeah. and a lot of information there. I had a wonderful time exploring it, um, especially because you are multi-talented. You are an art consultant, a curator, and a writer. All things we would really love to know more about. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rod. I'm really happy that uh, you found my website. And it's been a long time that I set it up. It you know, it's been 15 years. It's going to be 15 years, actually. So, yes, I'm well, so glad. That's great. 15 years, you can that's tell a, there's a lot of work into it. There's a ton of work, and you can tell that you put your heart into it as well. So, wonderful job, yeah. wonderful job. Yeah. Well, right now, before we get started with the interview, we always like to ask the question of what you had for breakfast. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I know for you, this is the evening, so you have to think back to the morning time. No, that's okay. Yeah, uh, so I like to eat a heavy breakfast, and uh, usually it is in, in cuisine. So today was um, idli with coconut chutney and some musk melon. Now, um, so are you familiar with idli? Do you want me to just expand on it? Yes, please, yes, please tell, us. Do tell us. Okay, great. So this is a South Indian uh, delicacy. This is what most of us eat here in South of the country. And uh, it's a rice and lentils batter, which is then fermented and steamed. And it comes out like, um, you know, small cake-like shapes. This you eat with the chutney. Oh, okay. Sounds delicious. It sounds, sounds very wonderful. good. And nutritious, and I very guess. Very healthy for your healthy. everything. For your intestines, it right? It's a, yes, very healthy. Yes, yes, absolutely. Probiotics, prebiotics, one of them. I'm, everything. I'm pretty sure. Oh, thank so, you yeah. for sharing that. That is so a, interesting. A great way to start your day. And it's also good to have a fairly large breakfast anyway. Yeah. And true eat on less that. as you go into the evening. Very true. Yeah, yeah. I try and do that. Well, you know, I'd like to set the scene for this interview. So why don't you tell us about where you live? Right. So I'm in Bangalore, which, as I mentioned, it's in the southern part of India. It's a very bustling, vibrant city with amazing weather and the people. So I've been here for the last, I think, 20 years or more. Uh, so it's the IT capital, actually. So it's also called the Silicon Valley of India. But once it was known for its gardens and it used to be called the Garden City. So unfortunately, not that many gardens now, but it's still 
a very beautiful place to live. And uh, you should visit and you know, I, I did discover that it is the most high tech area, I guess, of India. And then I was fascinated by yeah. the uh, the palace, but also the if I'm pronouncing this right, uh, the Kuban Park. Come in, come in. The Kuban okay. Park, come in. yes. Yeah. Kuban Park. Yeah. yeah, you've been yeah. there, I'm sure. Yes, yes. It's the it's the lungs of the city you know it's it's a green area which is in the heart of the city very green and fortunately they do not allow any vehicles to pass through uh, much of the time and several restrictions are there so in the morning you would see a lot of uh, people who come in there to just walk to jog there are musical events uh, on weekends it's it's a really vibrant place. It looks it's like it, the photographs that I've seen of it. Yeah, it yeah so we will definitely have to head to India. I I, do, I love what you said though. It's the lungs right. of the city. Yeah, that's so nice. It's providing nurturing mm-hmm. for everyone in the city. So wonderful way to put that. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, I wanted to ask you about your name, Nalini. Uh, tell us what it means. So um, the name means. Lotus. Um, I would like to think it's the lotus flower and not just the plant. Yes. But it also means, you know, gentle and sweet. And I'm not sure about that part, (laughs) but maybe some of it is true. Who knows? I love it. Well, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful name. Gorgeous name. Gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it looks to us, as we discussed a little bit earlier, that your website is the centerpiece of everything that you do. And as an art consultant, a curator and a writer, tell us about it. Yeah. So um, actually, I started this website, I think it was around 2006. And um, I began freelance writing around 2002, three, I think. So what happened was that I had a lot of material which is coming out in the print medium. And it suddenly occurred to me, you know, that I was missing out on on an entire demographic, essentially, because when it's in the print media, it's limited to a certain section of the society. My husband, who comes from a technical background, he he suggested that, why don't you try a blog? So I thought, okay, why not? It sounds good. And uh, I set it up and I put everything, you know, on uh, the on this blog, which is called IndianArtScene.blogspot.com. So at the time, the blog was just an extension of the writing that I was doing. So I, it wasn't such a serious, you know, space as such. Right. Um, but, you know, I discovered that it was such a great way to meet and interact with people from across the world. Uh, and slowly there was interest which built up around it. And it started to have a life of its own, essentially. You know, it just started growing and I started getting more work and different kinds of work. People started approaching me from various places and uh, they would even, you know, we'd meet up for coffee if they were in my part of the city, if they were coming to Bangalore, as I hope you would do one day, you know, and we catch up. 
That's that our, sounds that, wonderful. That yeah. is our goal. That is our goal. Absolutely. That would be wonderful. And so, yeah, so this, the blog was going on and then it just uh, initially an extension of my writing. And then later on, it just grew into, there was curation, there were workshops, there were talks, there was... There was a whole lot of other activities which kind of evolved from the website and it just grew. And I was able to able to expand my role and my activities also accordingly. So this is how the, you know, the history, the background. And then, of course, I think a few years down the line, what I did was uh, I changed the name. I tried to get this domain name, Indian Art Scene. It was unfortunately not available at the time. So I did the next best uh, next best name, which was yeah. uh, Art Scene India, and it became artsceneindia.com. Um, slowly, I also began inviting other writers to contribute. So we, we have uh, we have guest writers, we have guest posts. We also sometimes get contributors to write about uh, articles from uh, different parts of the world as well. So it brings in multiple voices. It brings in a variety in terms of the content. And yeah, it seems to be shaping up well. I, I, would, I would think I'm so. I'm quite and pleased with it. <laughs> yes, yeah. and, and I know Angie's going to add that to our show notes so people that are yes, tuned can. into this podcast will be able to go check it out. And I have to say, it is definitely, there's a lot of content there. It's fun to explore. Nalini is a tremendously talented writer. Obviously, you have a good background in writing when you were working for the, I believe, for the newspaper or for the magazine. And it's yeah. worth, it's definitely worth checking out. Thank you. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think it's really, it will give you, give everyone a new flavor of creativity. And you're so prolific in your writing and your content that people really get an idea of what it's like to be in India as an artist and as a creative. So very, very wonderful well, what site. What works so well here too is uh, our whole purpose of this podcast is to let creative people from around the world express themselves mm -hmm. and to let other people learn about them right. and know about what they do and how they do things creatively. Right. And this is classic example of what we love to have as a guest. Right. And also fueling each other's creativity and uh, being an inspiration to one another. And I think you and your site and what you are expressing is exactly that. That's really kind of you. And, you know, it is so true what you said about inspiring each other. I think I, I did go through some of your podcasts and it was just wonderful to hear so many voices and people who are coming from different areas and fields. And I know that you had an Oprah singer, you have had artists and you've had so many kinds of people expressing. It is truly inspirational to hear about their journey and how they have reached or arrived, or maybe they're just in the process, but so it's a learning and it's very inspirational. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. it's it's a, it's good for everyone, and we we enjoy doing it. And yes. We certainly enjoy it's hearing. It's a labor of love. Yes, it really that, is. That well put. Thank yeah, you. It's a labor of love. You know, Nalini. Yeah. You're you're so talented, and the thing that I think when we had our initial conversation with you that both Rod and I enjoyed is you have such personal strength and motivation. And when you explained to us a little bit about transitioning through your careers, that was very inspirational to us. If you could tell us a little bit about that and what kept you motivated and going 
Um, I, I think that our listeners would really like to hear that. Yeah, sure. So not many people know, actually, that I come from a science background. My post-graduation was in organic chemistry, uh, one of the, you know, something that you would least expect mm-hmm. from an art curator and writer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I started off uh, with pharma, in fact. So I was working for a pharmaceutical company and that was for a few years. I was heading the scientific writers team, actually. So um, somehow, though, the, the connection that I find here is that, you know, I was always writing in every at every stage, whether it was in school. So I was good at writing. Then the, you know, the two pharma companies that I worked at and uh, writing was one part of the profile, though it was scientific and technical writing, but still, you know, there was some kind of writing involved there. And then when uh, my daughter was born, it was just very difficult to manage everything. And it so happened that uh, we got this opportunity to go and live in Dallas for some time, which was wonderful. I think, you know, just to get away from here and get that distance and perspective, also to enjoy a prolonged holiday without any pressure. Uh, it was it was really fun living there. I was able to also join college and do a bit of painting and uh, did some studying there. When I came back, what I found was that I was not keen on going back to a corporate nine to six job, actually. It's not even nine to six. You know, when you you're working for a corporate here, it's, it's just endless. There's no mm. evening and uh, you end up working late nights and uh, all of that. And it just wasn't, you know, something that I wanted to do. So um, I found an opportunity to get into freelance writing for newspapers, for a leading newspaper, actually. And when we met for the interview and the editor came to know that I could paint, so he asked me to write an art and he said, look, I have this, you know, there is a business section in the paper. There is a business paper actually. And there is a section in it, which is dedicated to art, to the art market actually. And we would love for you to take on this weekly section. Now, that's a huge commitment, right? I mean, I had not written for a newspaper before that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have to do a weekly column and you have to learn about writing on art. So it's not the same thing. To paint is one thing and to write about art when you do not have the art historical, you know, the rigor, the academic rigor that you've gone through. Yeah, you would have had to uh, get heavily involved in research. I mean, yeah, you had to do research so. yes. for every article, right? Which I, which probably helped you out with your uh, blog. Yeah, Late, yes, it did later on. Absolutely. So it was a lot of self study, and then when I sent in my first article. I have no idea why, but they kind of liked it. And they said, no, you're doing the paper. And actually, I did that weekly section for the next, I think it was 12 years. Oh, really? Until the paper closed down. Yes, it was a very long time. But I learned so much because of that. That was amazing because you just had to. There was no other way. So you would have to do your research. You would end up meeting people. So I met artists. I was interviewing artists. And because I started there, I was also writing for several other... I began writing for several other newspapers and magazines, art magazines, and then 
and, you know, working with artists. So all of that kind of uh, developed organically, I feel. So that's how, how it just, you know, I, I moved on and here I am. Well, that's quite a fascinating that beginning. Such a beginning, and, and right? also, um, it was, I guess, you like we like to say, kind of a karmic kind of thing, right? It really Your karma is. that the right doors opened up at the right time that has led you to doing what you're doing today. I also suspect, knowing what it takes for us to run a podcast, what it takes us to do our websites and our blogs and everything, you're probably working more hours and harder now than you did, <laughs> you did before. Yeah, you're right there because um, I think when you are working on your own, you're independent and you're free or you're freelancing, you just feel more responsible about what you're doing. And it's very different from working for a company or a corporate, you know, having a corporate job. So it's just that much more effort, but I think it is also that much more satisfying and you do tend to enjoy yourself more, especially if you enjoy your job or you enjoy your work. And sure. I think that has been the best part of the entire, all these years of what I've been doing is growth to period. be able to enjoy. Yes. I like to call yeah. it a growth period. You know, one thing I, I noticed getting, jumping over a little bit to the curating side of what you do you mm -hmm. curated a fundraising exhibition. How did that work for you? How did that go? So that exhibition is going on at the moment. But how I got into fundraising was that, you know, over the last uh, one year, because of the pandemic, the some of the artists have been uh, brutally hit, actually. And then there were cases where there were one or two artists who were very ill. And there was the situation where it was they didn't have funds to manage. Mm -hmm. And I found out that there was a way that I could encourage people to contribute. I think people are generally very good hearted and they want to make a difference. It's just a matter of being able to connect them together for them to find a cause and uh, for those who are affected to find somebody who can, who's generous with their you know, time or money. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they greatly appreciate the, what you have done. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So that worked out very well. Yeah. And uh, so that happened a couple of times and then somebody, they just started a trust and uh, it's an NGO, non-governmental organization. And they approached me to curate this exhibition where uh, we said the 50% of the sale proceeds would go and support education and other needs of uh, tribal children. So this is going through another foundation that works with tribal women and children in the southern part of the country. And they would be supporting. So what happened was also that during the pan pandemic, several children have lost their parents. Oh, and there's just yeah. nobody to take care of them. So that's where, you know, 50% of the money would go to them. The other half goes to the artists. So I'm actually very pleased with this kind of a scenario where uh, the art community is also hard hit. So if they benefit. We'll uh, make sure we put a link. Yeah, if you can, when sure, we are in the show notes, we can yeah, put a link to a your link. fundraising. Yeah. yeah, the fundraising exhibition. At least. That would be great. I'm sure. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. 
You know, we were talking about the art scene when you were mentioning this, and I know that everyone is kind of curious, what is the art scene like in India? It's been a very vibrant uh, art scene, actually. Um, just to ignore the, you know, what has happened in the last one year or so. But right. otherwise, the contemporary art scene is absolutely amazing. There are several artists from India who are exhibiting across the world and at international galleries, international art fairs and all kinds of events, actually. So um, they've been doing very well. We also have this India Art Fair, which happens in New Delhi, the capital Mm -hmm. of India. And it's an annual event. I think they've been around for 14 or 15 years, possibly. So that has become and that has emerged as a major art event in in this region, in this entire region. Mm. And the other event, which is very popular, is the uh, Kochi Biennale, which happens in uh, Kerala, which is southern part of the country, very close to where we are, uh, close to Bangalore. Uh, So that happens every two years. Unfortunately, it couldn't happen last year because December was not a good time and uh, still hoping to open by, yeah, it's postponed. It could happen this uh, end of this, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we're going to ask you a little bit about that, how the art community and you in particular adapted to the online and digital platforms, especially over this last year and a half. And tell us about some of the challenges that you face. Obviously, doing this fundraiser is helping out a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And that actually is one of the ways that you could face this type of challenge and help others. But tell us about that, please. So, you know, since the lockdown has started uh, and we've been quite hit in India, actually, with the pandemic and all these several lockdowns uh, which have been going on. So um, most of the activity has now shifted online. So physical shows are very few. And what happens is that somebody opens shows and then, you know, just a few days later, the, there is another lockdown and everything shuts down. Mm-hmm. But the challenge also is that not every kind of art is suitable for online viewing. And I think this is something which I find that I was supposed to do a show last year. It was it was a curatorial where um, there was a plan to have a very large scale uh, sculptural installations. And I just didn't see that going online. And so we decided to postpone it. But it's not happening this year too, possibly. It depends when it does go, you know, because it needs to be in a physical space. And that's the challenge. One of the challenges I feel with going online and just being, you know, digitally uh, available for the viewing. The other thing that happened was that, you know, last year we all started posting videos. We were making so much of, I think we produced so much of content that it was, there's been a fatigue all around. Yes, there's yes, yes. too much happening, you know? Agreed. And uh, yeah, and so you had all these webinars and then you're wondering how many people are actually viewing and we're just kind of leading our lives on social media at this point. Um, trying to get uh, more and more audiences to whatever we are doing. So, because there's just one kind of audience now, there is no physical audience happening at this stage. Um, 
when last year I did, uh, I think I was invited to a lecture. Yeah, it was a presentation. And I believe there were 300 uh, participants for that. And the challenge was that uh, I couldn't see anybody. So how do you engage with anyone? It's such a, it's such a surreal feeling that you're just talking to a blank screen, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. Yeah, it, it just feels kind of weird. The kind of energy that you get when you meet somebody, you know, at a gallery or uh, in a room at a conference, it's it's a different kind of high, especially, you know, I love meeting people and I love talking to them. So if I can uh, conduct a workshop for a group of people, it would be so much fun and it would just energize me. And studio visits, oh my God, I must mention them. It's something which really keeps me going just to meet artists and see their processes, you know, how they're, yeah, that is, uh, I miss that. I miss that a lot. There's been a lot of scientific research recently about how Zoom calls have affected people and it hasn't affected them in a positive way. It's been very negative. In fact, it's a kind of one of the things that people had issues with is how it dealt with eye strain and constantly Mm. looking at people on a screen as opposed to, you know, when you meet somebody in person, you know, you can maybe touch their hand or put your hand on their shoulder or they, they physically communicate and they have body language that communicates with you. And you can't get Mm -hmm. that on a Zoom call or any other type of presentation online. You just don't get that human warmth and glow like you just referred to when you meet somebody and you're, you know, you're a very warm, loving human being anyway and i could see why you that know if really you're, affect you i could see could that affect you for sure because if you're in any kind of event where people are there yeah you're going to give off a lot of energy which is going to make them feel good and consequently they're going to feed their energy back to you we all miss that and i know india's yeah. been particularly hard yes. hit and um but you know the show pass yeah, hopefully it'll pass soon yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it will But I think, you know, on the good side, you know, there have been a few benefits in terms of, uh, for instance, we talked about my website earlier. And so for the first time, I was able to host an online exhibition. And I don't think I would have done that if I didn't have to. So is more people around the world could participate. Yeah, yes. and get to see your site and, get to and see enjoy your site it and enjoy it like we did. That's truly yes. Yeah, that would have yeah. that probably would not have happened. Actually, we may not have ever met you, Nalini. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I know. I know that that's very true. Actually, yes. Well, you know, I'm I'm looking at my next question, and I'm I'm looking forward to your answer because you have so many warm thoughts and uh, wisdom and is do you have a core philosophy you like to live by yeah I think so uh, you know I have changed uh, tracks and the direction of where I'm going I think so many times in the last 20-25 years I think I truly believe that it's best to go with the flow and adapt to the situation because there's good in every situation. There's good in everything that comes along. It's just up to you how you choose to see it and how and what you make of it, actually. So, yeah. You're so you're so right about that. And, and also, 
I, I get the feeling that you're you're saying just be flexible and not be so rigid in life and, yeah. and enjoy the process. And, and that is so entirely true. And I love that you said that. You know, I have a follow up to that question and you may have already answered this, but um, would you share with us and our listeners your connection to the spiritual side of your philosophy and how it has impacted your creativity? So if I could share a very short story, you know, something about adversity, something which I faced about 15 years ago, and uh, it was a small injury, but it affected me greatly in the sense that I could not sit at a computer, nor could I type. So Mm. I went through a period Mm. where, yeah, so... There was a time when I actually had even trouble, you know, just lifting my head because it would cause me dizziness and all kinds of symptoms. But anyway, so that was a challenging time because you feel so down and you feel so distressed by the entire, you know, everything that's happening around you and you seem to have no control over it. But And it took time to overcome. So I will not say that, you know, it was just happened overnight and I came out of it. But having family and friends uh, supporting me, that was a big, huge thing. Actually, my my family and friends were typing for me. So I went through that phase where I would be dictating to them. And (laughs) they would be, you know, they would do this because I still had all my deadlines. So there was a time when I was writing, I think there was five to eight articles a week. I have no idea what I had gotten myself into. But anyways, (laughs) but fortunately, then uh, we started, you know, I got the speech to text software. And for several years, actually, it's just in the last two, three years that I've started typing again. But for maybe 12, 13 years, I was using speech to text software because I could not, I had this problem in my right shoulder and I just couldn't type for, yeah. My goodness. Well, it's good that technology helped along, right? Technology helped me, but this was a turning point for me in many ways. I think it was, you know, my search to heal and to find uh, alternative ways to heal and spiritual practices. That's that's why I narrated the story. Yeah. So, and I think it was uh, when I learned Reiki and other, you know, healing modalities, uh, energy healing modalities such as I'm not sure if you're familiar with the emotional freedom technique, the EFT tapping that's done on meridian points, the acupressure points, I believe. So things like that, you know, I started doing those and I found that really helped me. It kind of grounded me. It let me... Let me be myself, I think, more and uh, allowed me to get in touch with myself in some ways, even though it sounds kind of lofty. But for me, it worked in many ways. And I think it then started to show up. The results started to show up in other ways, in releasing those beliefs, the blocks to creativity and all of that. And then there was a shift, I think. It just helped my creativity. And I remember I started writing fiction at the time. And then I started, I did a course in ceramics. I did, uh, I did a lot of other things. So, yeah. How interesting. I hope it gives you a picture. Yeah. No, it does. I think you painted, no. you, you've verbally painted 
a beautiful picture. And so eloquently. And, yeah, I love the way eloquently. that you, uh, you said that. And by the way, I use speech to text myself. He does. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, we will exchange notes. (laughs) Yes, probably not for the same reasons. I use it because my spelling is not all that great. And it really, I can speed through things by speech. Well, also, I think when you have to deal with dyslexia like you have, it kind of hinders you. And now all of a sudden, it's like you don't have to sit there and type it out. And I think that's really a nice thing for people. I recommend that to anybody that has dyslexia. It works great. Yeah. Get yourself a speech recognition program and you can write mad. mad. Right. And you know, the good thing is that now there are several softwares where you can choose from and they're really amazing. But 10, 15 years ago, it was a challenge to find something which would work for me and was not too expensive, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The best one in the market is probably Dragon. And it's not not inexpensive, that's for sure. Yes. Yes, I know. (laughs) Truly, yeah. Nalini, you are totally immersed in living the creative life. What advice would you give to others about living a creative life? Hmm. Yeah, I think everybody should try at least one activity which allows them to be creative, whether it is writing, whether it is painting, whether it is, um, you know, clay modeling, anything. It just allows you, I think, to explore another side of yourself, which which may just go unnoticed otherwise. So for me, for instance, I recently restarted painting after a gap of several years. But it's not to be an artist. It's just for me to, it's another device. It's another therapeutic tool for me. And I feel it's it's almost meditative, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the effects are immense, you know, with, the, with any, any such activity which helps you to be creative. People should try that. It will, I think, benefit them in all aspects of their life. So, yeah, Yeah, just pick up. Yeah, yeah, we believe that fervently. And any kind of creativity, it it can be painting or uh, cooking, you know, or or sewing, uh, whatever, quilts. All of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It can be just about anything. And it could be something as simple as journaling. I think, you know, you start from there, you start putting down your thoughts. But every creative field, sometimes people tend to think that it's just a very spontaneous process. And, you know, it just it just happens. But there's so much discipline to it, actually. There's a lot of work at being creative. And people tend to give up. This is what I feel, you know, they start with something and then it's not working out and they say, this is not for me. But one has to try. Try it a couple of times. Maybe one thing is not for you, then try something else. Uh, Why not? As long as you are having fun. And uh, it's a great release, I think, especially now with the kind of pressures and uh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. You know, I'm going to go back to something that you responded to a little earlier, and that's the importance of family and how they helped you out when you were going through that health issue that you had. And hopefully our families help shape our desire to explore creativity and all of its aspects, I guess. But what are your thoughts on that family and its importance? That is so, 
so, so relevant. And without family, I don't think we would be, I would be here. For instance, you know, when I was growing up, my father, he's a retired botanist. So he traveled a lot. So we traveled a lot. And every two, three years, he would move to another location. Generally, it would be uh, these, you know, areas which were close to mountains, national parks and sanctuaries. So we had access to um, these very green areas. And um, what we would do is collect these uh, flowers and leaves and different kinds because he would ask questions and he'd say, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And then we just started collecting all these. We would dry them out and scrap books. Mm-hmm. And I really oh, believe man. that this was probably something you know, which began my creative process. It was something as simple as that. And you just put it, you know, beautifully in a scrapbook and you put a few notes here and there. And it's it becomes such a great journal. It's such a piece of uh, nostalgia and memory. And at the same time, I think it is creative in a way. It's, it's very so, creative. It's, it's very, very creative. creative. And you also, yeah. he gave you, afforded you the opportunity to immerse yourself in nature. Not everybody yeah, has that true. opportunity. Uh, that sounds like a beautiful yeah. experience to be able to live in, in all those various locations, just totally immersed in nature. And he obviously was attuned to it. He was. And uh, I think our entire family while growing up, because we could travel a lot, he loved traveling. So all of us did. And we got the opportunity to see more places that I always feel it tends to nurture and, you know, getting exposed to different kinds of uh, places and environments. It just opens up this world of possibilities and it really did that for me and my family now my husband and my daughter so they were the ones who were typing for me by the way also and uh, so they're there to support every step of the way they've been just incredible and my daughter she is she is so creative Uh, she writes poetry she paints and she's just one of those people who's very gifted and having them around is a, it's a huge positive influence on me as well. So, yes. Gee, I wonder where your daughter gets all that from. (laughs) (laughs) I I just can't imagine. Yeah. Can't imagine. Right. Yeah, no, she's, she's much more gifted than me for sure. Well, but you, you started the process. Yeah, though. you started, you the, started process the process of her mind. You started for, uh, forming her thinking a long time ago. Yeah, I like to believe that. <laughs> yes. Well, now we've come to the part of the program where we always ask our guests, and I love hearing their answers because they're also very intriguing, enlightening too, and enlightening. If you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? That's actually a very difficult question, you know, because Mm -hmm. there's so many people whom I would love to meet. And Mm -hmm. then there are so many people who are still around in different parts of the world that I would love to meet. So it's a very difficult choice. But since I've been, you know, writing for newspapers also, I was thinking that... uh, since 1950s, I think it was 1951, 
every day in the Times of India, there would be this daily cartoon done by R.K. Lakshman. And, you know, he was known for his very sharp wit and satire and humor. So he was an amazing person, I think. And his cartoons would be, you know, you'd open the paper and you were looking for that cartoon because you needed to see what was there that day. Mm -hmm. Oh, see. So it was incredible, absolutely. And I don't think he missed a single day. He passed away, I think it was 2015 that he passed away. Yes. Yeah. His cartoons were there every single day in the newspaper. Well, you can it imagine was amazing. A very yeah. prolific mind and oh, very yeah. attuned to what was going on around him Absolutely. and in the world. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he could do it every single day. So that's, you know, because we're talking about creativity. Sure. Just, just imagine being creative every single day where you grasp the imagination of everybody in the country. And that well, is something so amazing. That's a great answer. That is a really good answer. And and I don't think, I mean, this is an opportunity for people to find out more about who he was. That's so true. Yeah, we'll have to put a link in the yeah. show notes about him. Yeah, that right. would be great. Well, Nalini, I hate to say this, but we've come to the time that we have to wrap this show up. And um, you've been a wonderful oh, yeah. interview. I, I, our guests are good. I mean, our guests, our listeners and our guests. I'm a guest here. You can be a guest. I'll be a guest. But they're going to really enjoy everything that you shared with us. You were very enlightening and thoughtful, personable, and caring in everything that you said. So this is going to be great. I'm, we're going to be really excited to share this with everyone. I agree with you, Rod, 100%. And um, our listeners are going to enjoy this interview, I think, on so many levels. And also, I want to let everyone know, if you would like to know more about Nalini, we will have links for her under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com so everyone can learn more about her and connect with her on social media and check out her website. Yeah, it's sad to say goodbye, but I yes. guess this is what we have to do. So Nalini, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. I had such a great time and I'm so glad you found my website and we could so do this am I. today. So, so are we. So are we. Yeah. Yeah. So are we. So are we. All right. Have you, a great day. You yeah. enjoy the rest of your evening. Have a good evening. Thank you and bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day.